Today on Ag News Daily. Very rarely do we ever put our spot ourselves in the spot of being the expert, but try to find somebody uh, in the realm of the conversation we're having that week to bring on and ask the hard questions to see if we can't help our listeners make some more money and achieve higher levels of profitability. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, it is a Friday after all, heading into the weekend and next week, hitting the grounds down in New Orleans at Commodity Classic. So there's a lot to look forward to. You know, you're really going right after Mardi Gras here. So I think that that's true. New Orleans is going to be in like a state of shock. It'll probably be. I mean, I have you ever been to New Orleans, Ashton? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, it's not the cleanest place in general. (laughs) So I'm imagining that right after Mardi Gras, it's going to be even worse. Mm, Yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. I hear that it doesn't smell the best on bourbon. No, that's, that's accurate. I think they just basically like have to hose the streets off every morning after people have been out and about having adult beverages. But I personally like New Orleans. I think the food's really good. The people are fun down there. And it's just an interesting experience, much different than what we get up here in the good old bland Midwest. So yeah, I feel like Louisiana is just a state of its own. I feel like it doesn't really blend in with the rest of the U.S. They are on a whole different level. That is a pretty fair description, actually, especially down there in southern uh, Louisiana, where New Orleans is. It's just a different vibe down there. It certainly is. And I feel like I can say that since they're our neighbor, but Delaney, I have some news that I want to kick us off with because I have three stories and none of mine are concerning Russia, Ukraine. I know that you have some Russia, Ukraine news yourself, but I want to kick things off on my half talking a little bit more about bird flu. And I know, I feel like I have just been beating a dead horse when it comes to bird flu reporting on it, especially here in the U S but this case that just came about is on a commercial chicken farm in Missouri. And I believe that this is the first commercial flock that we have seen hit with the H5N1 strain in the U.S. So pretty detrimental. And it sounds like they are going to cull some of this herd, I get a flock. I keep saying, I wanting to say herd when talking about these uh, poultries, but uh, a flock of 240,000 broiler chickens in uh, southeastern Missouri. I don't know how much of these they are going to cull or what they're going to do here, but if they were to cull that entire flock, Gotta say, it's a lot of chickens. That is a lot of chickens. A lot of chicken wings that won't be going to the market. Which is pretty unfortunate. I had chicken wings for lunch, so I'm a big chicken wing person. So (laughs) if we saw a couple more commercial flocks hit, don't know really what that would do to the poultry market here. I assume it's a similar situation that we would see to some of the past outbreaks of bird flu that we've seen, but I'm going to keep my ears to the ground. Absolutely, Ashton. Well, Yeah, I don't have a ton of Ukraine news today, but I did want to make this mention, you know, especially as the commodity markets continue to react to whatever fresh piece of news hits the wires. Last night, we saw a pretty horrific event playing out. Russia shelled the largest nuclear plant in Europe. And so there was warfare all throughout the night. Uh, the power plant is Europe's largest and it went under mili- it went under siege with military casualties and some sustained damage. But the reactors are reportedly stable this morning, although are currently under Russian control. 
Ukrainian citizens continue to protest and call for ceasefire. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of Russian citizens as well call for that as well, call for ceasefire as well, I should say. Um, and it's interesting to just see some of the reactions of folks on Twitter, you know, like, why are we starting a GoFundMe account to assassinate President Putin or just random strange things like that that have come to light now? But uh, there are still, like I said, many key Ukrainian cities that remain under Russian control or Russian fire, as well as now some cities uh, like this one, this nuclear plant in Europe as well. So certainly a lot to take in here, but I thought this was interesting as well. And I'll end with this. You know, a lot of people have been thankfully able to get out of Ukraine, Russia, and Germany has actually officially registered more than 18,000 refugees from Ukraine over the past week. So there have been about a million citizens reportedly that have fled the country so far. And to be honest, I, I don't know the entire population of Ukraine. I would suspect it's a pretty large uh, country in general, but it does seem like a lot of folks have been able to get out safely. Um, but about 44 million people live in the country of Ukraine. So still a large majority of people, obviously, there still boots on the ground uh, during this uh, difficult time, to say the least. Well, Delaney, I'm going to bring things back here domestically as I have a piece of news from the National Farmers Union. They have officially filed an antitrust complaint against Deer and Company on their repair restrictions with the Federal Trade Commission. The senior government relations representative for NFU, Aaron Shear, says that farmers and ranchers should be allowed to fix the equipment that they own, but the market is currently monopolized by equipment manufacturers like John Deere. And, you know, they filed this with the FTC. So Shear says that the FTC has enforcement powers and can move quicker than taking their complaint through the court system. So I'm going to keep watching out to see what comes of this. If we see something come from John Deere, I would love to hear some of their commentary about right to repair and what they think about this. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, that might be a good interview actually to snag next week, Ashton, while we're at Commodity Classic. I completely agree with you. Well, have to put it on the list, that's for sure. Well, Delaney, what other uh, pieces of news do you have to share today? Well, I don't have a ton of news today, I've got to be honest, but I did find this story. I thought it was an interesting one. Uh, there's a new insurance, crop insurance tool that's aimed at helping farmers who apply split apply nitrogen to non-irrigated corn to offset weather risk related to their second or third applications. This program is called PACE, the Post Application Coverage Endorsement, and although it's still in its pilot phase, it is available in parts of 11 different states for the first time in 2022. Corn farmers are essentially eligible in areas that can purchase the endorsement, and in addition to their revenue protection, revenue protection with harvest price exclusion, or yield protection insurance, they can also use this PACE coverage insurance. But they do need to decide quickly by March 15th. That's when this crop insurance date closes. But certainly an interesting product. And I will say a large majority of areas that can use this product are uh, central to northeastern Iowa, all the way into Illinois, basically kind of the middle swath of Iowa into Illinois and then parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, just little nuggets here and there. So definitely want to check that out on a map to see if you are in the, the coverage area. 
But uh, farmers must have applied about 20% of their margin, excuse me, 20% of their nitrogen or more before planting and share their plans for subsequent actions of applications at the time of sign up. So there are some very specific guidelines you have to meet in order to qualify for this new insurance product, but it's certainly an interesting one to see how producers react to that as it hits the marketplace. Well, Delaney, I have one quick question for you before I get into my final piece of news here. Okay, I'm ready, I think. Are you familiar with Stellantis? No clue what that is. Okay, I didn't either, and I didn't know if I was just out of the loop or what, but their headquarters are actually in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, but they are a automaker, and I I guess that's why I wasn't uh, super familiar with them because they're based in the Netherlands, but they're considering the production and sale of a hybrid vehicle that is powered by electricity as well as ethanol in Brazil, and they're looking at a timeline by 2025, and that's in, you know, two and a half, three years, and they plan to launch a new brand in Brazil this year. And I thought that this announcement was really interesting because we talk about using ethanol in our vehicles, we talk about electricity, but I don't know that we've really talked about combining the two for a hybrid vehicle. Hmm. I don't know that we have either, but I think that's kind of the trend of the future, Ashton. I think that you really hit the nail on the head there, Delaney, but this 2025 timeline, I don't know about that. I feel like it takes a lot to produce things like this. That seems very ambitious to say the least. Yeah. I don't know if that's just us being cynical or what, but awfully ambitious of Stellantis. It does sound ambitious, uh, but maybe they'll reach those goals. Who knows? I mean, there's definitely a market out there for that. So maybe that's their motivation. But uh, regardless, I tell you what, Ashton, we better take a look at some market prices today. What do you say we uh, take a look and see where things ended for the day? Let's do it. All right. Well, we certainly saw some interesting trading action today. In the overnights, we saw corn push higher, wheat substantially higher, trading more than the limit at one point. But we did pull back on the day as we closed markets. March corn, excuse me, May corn today up six and a half cents to close at 7.54 and a quarter. Dece up 17 and a half cents to close at 6.29 and a half. Soybeans today showed weakness as the May contract shed seven and a quarter cents to close at 16.60 and a half. The November down three and three quarters cents to close at 14.50 and a quarter. In the wheat pits today, let's look at Kansas City wheat as that had some interesting moves to the upside. May contract added 64 and a quarter cent to close at 12.14 and a half. The Dees up 41 and a quarter cents, closing at 10.57 and a quarter. As we hop over to take a look at the livestock markets today, they showed weakness all across the protein complex as the April live cattle contract shed 257 to close at 135.77 and a half. The June down 265 to close at a buck 32.52. Peter cattle didn't quite have limit down moves today, but we're pretty darn close as the April contract shed $3.27 to close at $157.25. The April down $3.15, closing at a buck $62.35. And in lean hogs today, we did see limit down moves as the April contract closed limit down at $100.45. The May contract limit down to close at $105.75. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. 
The April today up 25 cents to close at 23.69. The May up 12 cents to close at 23.67. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to today's conversation with Tanner Winterhoff. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Fry Yay interview, we are chatting with the man, the myth, the legend, Tanner Winterhoff, also known as Iowa Banker Man on Twitter. You may recognize Tanner for his work in the ag lending space or because of his Farm for Profit podcast. But uh, Tanner, regardless, we certainly appreciate you coming on today and chatting with us. Well, I appreciate the invite. And that was one heck of an introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you are uh, kind of the man, the myth, the legend, maybe more so in the Twitter space because you've kind of created this banker man persona for yourself. But for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with your social handles, tell us a little bit about your background. You bet. I grew up as a farm kid in Northwest Iowa with a Pharaoh to finish hog farm and row crop operation. And uh, consequently, married into a fat cattle feedlot and row crop operation after I met my wonderful wife, Allie. But in between those two, uh, pursued a business and finance degree and pursued then further even a career in banking. So that's where the Iowa Banker Man handle comes from. I have a career in banking in the state of Iowa. And since the podcast launch, it's even extended outside of the the boundaries of the state border. So Tanner, we've, you know, had you on the podcast before, but that was, I think back in September. So how are things going for you? What have you been up to? Yeah, it's, it's been pretty busy. We've been very blessed on the farm for profit podcast side of things. So that's a podcast that myself and two buddies, two co-hosts, Corey Hillbo and Dave Whitaker host, where we try to help farmers achieve higher levels of profitability by delivering tips, trends, and techniques through the form of expert guests. So very rarely do we ever put our spot, ourselves in the spot of being the expert, but try to find somebody uh, in the realm of the conversation we're having that week to bring on and ask the hard questions to see if we can't help our listeners make some more money and achieve higher levels of profitability. So been really busy on the podcast front, been really, really blessed to make some really great connections through there and uh, have really pursued that even further by making a couple of trips to some farm shows. So it's been exciting. Yeah, you guys were at the National Farm Machinery Show just a couple of weeks ago in Louisville, and uh, we're blowing up so- my social media feeds because you guys were podcasting from the Sookup booth down there. What did you learn while you were down there? Anything insightful you can share? I think it was just the great diverse stories in agriculture. Uh, We did not expect to podcast as much as we did. We ended up putting 25 audio files into the folder in three short days. But it was was great to see an outpouring of support from the listeners and people that were curious, swinging by the Sukup booth to have a conversation. But pretty much once we turned those mics on, Delaney and Ashton, we didn't shut them off until the show was over and and people were getting kicked out. So that was a lot (laughs) of fun. yeah, that can be those can be long days, Tanner. Yeah, but I wouldn't have traded it for the world. The the people we met, the connections we made, and even the little bit of walking around at the show uh, was exciting to see. See the advancements in technology related to agriculture and and just more off the advancements in the way message and news gets delivered or consumed by people in agriculture. So it was fun to gain a lot of perspective, not just from the vendors there, but but more even from the people that attended. 
Tanner, did you see any exciting updates of equipment or new technology coming down the pipeline at National Farm Machinery Show? Well, we got really ingrained in the in the souk up information, and that was partially because we spent so much time there. But when you look at the grain bin manufacturers around that show, there's such an emphasis on safety, and and I thought that was that was really enlightening to see that it's not all about the profit margin, it's not all about pushing more product, but but just the developments around safety in agriculture, whether it's a, a door that prevents someone from getting, you know, accidentally covered in grain when they open it to a paddle sweep that allows farmers to spend less time in the bin themselves as they're cleaning it out. So even when you get into the machinery and you see the the automation in making sure that if a driver falls asleep, they don't have to worry about the dangers of a large piece of equipment uh, running running amidst while they're not paying attention. So uh, I don't know if it was the overarching theme on purpose, but it seemed like a lot of places that we visited with and the people we met uh, seemed to continue to put safety high on their on their levels of concern. Well, Tanner, another thing that you're really gearing up for here is a commodity classic, which is next week. And you and Delaney are going to be going to that. And I've got to say, I'm a little bit jealous that I'm not going to be joining you two. Yeah, I'm super honored. And I feel bad for you, Ashton, that you don't get to come <laughs> along. But uh, I do. I get to be I get to be Delaney's right hand man to say anything uh, least that I can hang around with her, meet, meet a lot of great people, and then also get to have more of these conversations around what the future holds for agricultural technology. Tanner, by, by the end of the week, next week, I feel like you're going to be running the show. So <laughs> I don't know if you want to turn the reins over to me, but <laughs> I appreciate that sentiment. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to Commodity Classic next week. Folks, be sure to tune in with us next week. We're going to be there sponsored by Raven Industries. So we're going to talk to a lot of great folks about new technologies coming down the pipeline. I won't give too much away there, but uh, certainly some exciting things in store next week as we hit the ground in New Orleans. And folks, if you are going to be at Commodity Classic and want to connect with Tanner or I, find us both on Twitter. You can find Tanner there at Iowa Banker Man on Twitter. Is that your TikTok handle too, Tanner? Yes, ma'am. And I was just going to bring that up that Twitter is a great social network, but if, if you haven't checked out TikTok yet, it can seem daunting when you first look into it, and it can almost seem silly if you're trying to compare it to what the, the younger teenagers are using TikTok for, but there is a, a fantastic, I'm using air quotes with my fingers, farm talk community, that's T-O-K, that is just loaded with those invested in and interested in agriculture if you're looking for another realm of digital networking and a group of people that think just like you do, uh, that's a fun space to play in. Fantastic. Folks, we'll find Tanner on TikTok and Instagram at the Iowa Banker Man. Shoot him a note if you want to connect next week at Commodity Classic. You can also, of course, shoot us a note at Ag News Daily. But Tanner, looking forward to hanging out with you in New Orleans next week. I'm super excited. I appreciate the invite and I can't wait to meet more of your Ag News Daily audience. Tanner, I'm also expecting you to get Delaney to do some kind of TikTok. So that's what I'm testing <laughs> you with next week. Deal. I can make that happen. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks again there to you, Tanner, for coming on and chatting with us pre-Commodity Classic. Like I said, very jealous that you two get to report live down there, Delaney, but I'll just have to tune into your conversations and hopefully you guys get some good stuff for us. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be one busy week next week, Ashton. So we'll see how I can hold it all together. Well, I'm sending you my thoughts and prayers, Delaney, that you make it through that busy week. But folks, don't forget to tune in as Delaney reports live from New Orleans at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.